I think a lot of companies go there and they know that their uh, target group is SMEs, right? But I think it's extremely and even more important to understand within that SME, how is the decision-making process um, working? And I think that is exactly what you then need to replicate in the content. So um, the type of content absolutely depends on, um, on the target group within the companies. Project A Podcast. So my name is Michael Riegel. Um, for those who don't know me, um, I'm, I'm the founder of Comdravo. Um, I would love to tell you a little bit more today about um, how we have been building up LinkedIn as uh, actually one of our main uh, lead gen channels. So first of all, I would love to start um, with a quick dive into Comdravo. Just um, if you don't know what we are doing, it's very helpful to know a little bit of background um, so that it's easier to um, afterwards understand why we've done certain things in, in the LinkedIn channel. Um, then a little bit of why LinkedIn, why, why have you not focused a lot on Facebook, Google, or a lot of the other channels that you could potentially uh, go for. Um, and then we go into the actual setup. So how have we progressed in the channel? Um, in the beginning, definitely not everything was good. Um, so we've, we've gone through so, quite some, some learning curve there. Um, and yeah, in the end, I'll, I'll show you what we are currently working on as a next step. So that is the agenda. Um, so Comdrava, what are we what are we doing? We are an operating platform for business travel. Um, so what we do is we allow um, SMEs, which is our target group, to outsource their business travel to us. That means that employees, on the one hand, can easily book their travel via our text-based solution or via an online channel. Um, and on the other hand, uh, the companies um, can get control of all their travel. Um, they get simple reporting, simple expense management, and then in the end have a black and blaze solution for their business travel. Um, this is a little bit the more technical um, view on our, on our product, um, which we usually would not show to customers, but it's maybe interesting to get a bit of the feeling of what we've been building behind it. This more or less describes the process of a typical business travel booking. So it can be that someone sends us an email, something like, hey, Comdravo, I need to be in London Monday morning, 9 a.m., need to be back in Berlin Tuesday evening, 8 p.m., and I need a hotel. Um, then what happens is basically that we have uh, built our own NLP software um, that is, uh, is trying to understand the text. And based on the confidence, um, this is being funneled through and going into our search and recommendation. Um, you can imagine this is a little bit like a streetlight. So um, depending on how confident we are that we understand what happens, um, it goes on the green light and it's like no agent or no person will see it. Um, if we are somehow confident, but not 100% confident, then um, it's the yellow light. This means that um, an agent actually sanity checks. And then there's the red light, where it's something strange which we just don't understand. Um, the same then happens in the search and recommendation. So in the end, we send tailored options to the customers, so they don't need to work through long lists. Um, and therefore, we're looking at past booking behavior, peer booking behavior, um, static CRM preferences, company travel policies, and so on. Um, Below this, there's obviously the supply that we are booking and that we've integrated. So um, it's in the end, we need to be able to book flights programmatically, hotels, trains, rental cars. And we are currently actually testing stuff also around um, uh, transfers. Yeah, and then the rest is that in the end, like uh, we are issuing tickets, um, we are supporting during the trip, and the company gets the whole invoicing and, and reporting. Um, and this is just for the B2D, B2B space, which is important to know when we now dive a bit into, um, into our marketing efforts and, and how we started. Um, when we started and, and thought about how, how should we market the product or what is our way to go into the market, um, the, the first question that obviously pops up is um, what is actually our target group and, um, and where can we reach them? And not just reach them, but optimally 
um, not reach them in a very broad and um, uh, more or less like shotgun way, but um, pretty, pretty specific optimally. Um, so our target group um, is, that is what I mentioned before, is SMEs. Um, so you can think about like the German typical Mittelstand um, is, is a lot of what we are interested in. Um, it's usually companies that spend between um, 100k and three, three to four million a year on travel. So it can be from comparably small to, to pretty big. Even more interesting is um, it's not just about SMEs, but we dive one step deeper into it and looked into um, who are the people live in the company that are interesting for us. And this is especially then the LinkedIn later onwards becoming very relevant. Um, for us, we identified three target groups live in any of these SMEs. Um, it's usually the CEO or management. They often, especially in smaller SMEs, are the final decision maker. Um, so whenever a big thing is changed, um, they, they are part of that process. Then it's the secretaries and office managers. Um, they are often the most important influencer since um, they usually have to book, I don't know, for their bosses, they have to book for other teams. And they rarely get, um, get good feedback on this, but they most of the time only get complaints. So they're extremely interested in getting a solution that works uh, very well. Um, and the last bucket is the whole accounting and, and uh, finance department can be on different seniority levels. Um, and they are often very critical in this decision-making process um, because they need to take care of all the receipts at the end of the month, right? Right now, people hand in their manual travel receipts, which is super painful for them because they need to do a lot of manual work. Um, so they are also one of the parties that is usually involved in um, when we think about how we, how we can sell this uh, solution. Um, if we now have this, uh, this target group um, in mind, um, we compared various channels. So we also looked at Google, we did stuff, and, and we has, it doesn't mean that we don't do anything there, um, but we wanna talk a bit about what we focus on. We also looked at Facebook, we looked at LinkedIn, um, we looked at Xing and so on. Um, and here I basically brought an example that shows pretty well why in the end LinkedIn is actually like pretty much our most scalable lead gen channel. Um, you see here the targeting options of, um, on the one hand of Facebook. Um, the targeting is actually pretty good there as well, but the point is that um, in this case, for example, I could say I'm targeting the CEOs out there, right? So it's pretty easy, one of the filter options. Um, the main issue there is um, it stops at that precision level. So I could not go into Facebook and say, hey, I wanna target the CEO of consultancies, right? So it's like, um, versus when you look into LinkedIn, um, you can add a lot more. So you can basically use this and this and this and this. And, and this is very helpful for us because A, we understand it's SMEs um, and optimally it's certain industries different SMEs. Um, and then, but it's then also certain positions. So it's the senior management, it's the finance department and so on. So it allows us to go much more precise than we could do this um, um, on Facebook. And it somehow makes sense because the, um, like in Facebook you don't need to be so specific because most of the people that do marketing on Facebook are more, or most of the time, more going with a B2C angle versus uh, going with a typical, uh, typical B2B approach. So that, um, um, that led us to looking more into detail in LinkedIn, and um, I don't want to pitch LinkedIn in here in channel, but it actually helped us because my feeling is often when I talk to people that it's still, um, it's the impact of LinkedIn is still underestimated, right? I hear a lot of people scaling stuff on Facebook and so on, but I think especially if you're focusing on the B2B space, LinkedIn is a very, very relevant uh, channel from our perspective. Um, why is that? Um, so A, obviously, like what I mentioned before, you can target very precisely. Um, 
You can especially target people that drive business decisions. So um, let's say on Facebook, we are reaching more the travelers, while here we are reaching more the CEO specifically or the um, chief accountant or something like this. Most of the people don't just spend time on LinkedIn, but they actually invest time on it. Um, this is what we see later onwards when we look at response rate that we have on certain, certain campaigns and things um, on LinkedIn. And um, in the end, LinkedIn is one of the tools where there's a comparably high trust level. Um, I'm not sure if you know that personally, but when I look through my Facebook newsfeed, I have the feeling I get a lot of spam, I get a lot of uh, different marketing things and actually few trusted things. When I look through my LinkedIn feed right now, um, it's by no means as spammy as, or it's, it feels much, much more trusted or more relevant to me um, than what happens on Facebook. Um, and this again will then later onwards lead to, to better rates. And yeah, and this is actually what I meant before is like the, um, this also shown in channel numbers, like about 50% of the members are actually actively engaging with the feeds. So they're liking things, they're going into certain things um, and commenting things. We tested very early on and we tested various channels and this was actually the, the point where we said, oh, we need to go much, much deeper still into LinkedIn. Um, so I think this was one of the first weeks where we were running like very simple LinkedIn campaigns. Um, and um, we got on one of the, um, that was one of the in-mail messages, um, but we got a response of Jan Engelke, who is the, uh, the managing director of, of Simon Kocher. Um, so actually one of the biggest consultancies that is a very well relevant target group for us. Um, and he in the end directly responded to me in, in, in that message, which showed us, okay, hmm, there's something about it, which, which means that in the end we, we are probably able to target um, very nicely in this channel. Um, and that was also interestingly the, the point of time where we said now we are really going deep into this. How did we do this? So um, what were our learnings with LinkedIn? How, do we, how have we in the end started out and how have we then um, developed this? So in the first place, we, um, we started out very, very broadly. So it's a little bit the, um, what we call in German, the Gießkannen approach. Um, so we tried to just like do, uh, do a lot of different things um, just to learn. Um, and the, the main goal there in the end uh, was generating data. We wanted to understand as much as possible. So it was not necessarily about being very precise and targeting anywhere or like just hitting the CEOs or anything. But we went super, super broad um, and tried to, to gather as much data as possible on, um, on, on various target groups, on various uh, ad formats and so on. This in the end led us to generating a lot of leads, right? Like so we started spending more and more, um, but without being very precise. So the one thing that we initially just, um, or in the in initially we were able to prove was that we are able to generate a lot of leads via LinkedIn. You see in the end, like I think we, on a monthly basis, we added a lot more than plus 80 leads um, 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 per month. Um, but this was not in the end like what we just wanted to achieve, but this was more for the purposes of generating data. Because when you look at the CPLs that we paid initially, um, they were still pretty high, right? So at a level where we said when we calculate the payback period on this, um, this will probably not pay off um, um, with that way. So what we did then next is we said, okay, hmm, now we've gathered all this data, um, so why don't we start making sense of it and actually using it? And this is what we did. So there's a lot of different reports you can pull and download from LinkedIn. Um, and it's a, um, it also has very different verticals that you can look at. So um, this is just a small piece of one of the reports that we are looking at. But um, one thing we can actually look at is we look at uh, click-through rates and conversion rates for um, certain industries. Um, we look at the same for certain company size. And we look at the same for certain shop titles. And there's a lot, of, a lot more dimensions. But these are some of the very relevant uh, dimensions for us. And then we looked at um, conversion rates and click-through rates. Um, 
And interesting enough, we knew roughly what industries and um, company size and shop titles, titles are interesting for us from our sales team. So there we calculated conversion rates and we roughly knew this. Um, and we saw exactly the same patterns happening here in LinkedIn. So we knew that, for example, management consultants or consultancies in general are a very good target group for us. Um, and this in the end also um, showed, or the conversion rates and the clicks rates showed this as well. Then we learned a lot about the company size that we are targeting. Um, we realized that initially we went very broad and we also targeted very small companies, for example. So companies that have uh, 11 to 50 employees. But that converted significantly worse than the bigger ones. Which again, if you think logically, can make sense because if you are a very small company, then maybe you don't travel a lot and maybe then you don't need a professional solution for this, right? Um, but this was the second learning. So we said, okay, now we can uh, fine tune our, or the company sizes that we are targeting. And this, by the way, was also data that we then again can use in our sales or growth department overall. Because if this holds true in the LinkedIn channel, it likely also holds true in our outbound channels or other channels. And then the last thing, probably the most interesting thing, since um, this, is, this is very unique to, to LinkedIn also, is the, the type of position. And there we saw that um, especially going via the very senior positions, so the managing directors, the CEOs, um, or the managing partners, um, converted very well. And converting in that sense didn't necessarily mean that um, we afterwards set up a call with the managing director directly. Um, but what very often happened is that the, let's say, the CEO or managing director actually redirected us to the secretaries or office managers. So we got, in the end, we got an email from, um, or an in-mail in LinkedIn from one of the secretaries saying, hey, my boss actually, um, or you approached my boss, or he saw that ad, um, uh, can we have a talk, right? So that was a lot of the, the things that we actually learned from um, initially going extremely broad and, and not being too specific. The, uh, using this targeting now um, allowed us to specifically do one thing. It allowed us to focus much more on AB customers. For us, AB customers are defined as customers um, that have a certain volume. So that is, it's not necessarily about number of employees, um, but they have a certain travel spend that is, um, in that sense, not, not too small. Um, and you see in the beginning, um, we targeted also like a lot of the C customers, which are not really so relevant for us, and we should probably not spend too much time on trying to convert them. Um, but we managed to constantly, by improving this targeting, increase the share of, um, of A to B customers, um, which is what was super relevant for us. And we tried actually to replicate the same thing on, on Facebook or other channels, which we were not able to do, because just the targeting was not as precise as we could steer it in, um, in LinkedIn. What um, didn't work that well yet um, at that point of time was that um, we had, in the end, two, um, two conversion steps. So on the one hand, we tried to convert via, um, so there's something called LinkedIn forms, so that you basically generate a lead within LinkedIn. So they type in their data and show their interest within the form that is, they don't leave the LinkedIn platform. Um, and then the other thing is that we redirected to, our, to a specific landing page where, again, we had a form. And we compared these two forms. And um, from talking to, to LinkedIn and to a few other companies, for almost all of them, the LinkedIn form converted much better than the website form. Um, but for us, it was exactly the other way around. And the LinkedIn form, actually, like the conversion was not, not very good. Um, and then we started looking into this. So why, why are we not converting as well on the LinkedIn form versus all the other ones? Why well, this should be more direct, and it actually cuts out some steps. The main point there was that. Um, the, we saw that the people going to the website um, looked at a lot more content on our website before they actually came to that page. 
So we knew that, um, hey, maybe our product is a product where you need some kind of education. Um, you need to learn a little bit more about it before you're actually deciding to test something or sign up or give your, give your email address. And that was then the, the third phase where we said, okay, so we, we posted some content and stuff before, but we decided, hey, we need to go about it much more strategically. Um, because we see that if they have not consumed a lot of content on business travel before, um, then they are less, less likely or much less likely to, to convert than, than the other way around. Yeah, and this is basically the, um, the, the third step where we said, okay, we're now going from a targeted audience to an actually educated audience. And the way how we did it, it's pretty, pretty, that's pretty straightforward. Um, we, we didn't just post um, specific Comdravo content, but we started building up a lot of content um, around any generic business travel topic that again is specifically interesting for, um, for certain target groups. So remember the, like the CEOs, the office managers, and the accountants. So for example, the left one um, uh, is, is around the business travel within the times of the Brexit, which is something that we saw that uh, especially CEOs were interested in, because they need to care about if they do business with, um, with the UK, then they need to roughly know what is, what is going on with, um, with the people traveling there. Um, and the other one was more targeted towards um, accounting and finance departments um, um, because that was around like how do you rightfully calculate your travel expenses, how do you do that. Um, so we started creating a lot of this content um, and this um, after I think a couple of months we were at a level where we saw that um, uh, while people started reading our content on LinkedIn or within LinkedIn already, um, conversion rates on the LinkedIn form um, started increasing um, and went up. Um, and this again means that we are cutting out a step and channel because we don't need to redirect them to the website. They don't need to uh, go via, via this extra step and potentially fall out of the funnel there again. So that was the, um, the, the, the third thing we basically did. Now that we had this um, targeted and educated audience, um, there was the, the fourth thing that we basically started adding. And that is, it's not just about retargeting, but now that we have, or we know a lot about the target group and the people that we wanna, um, wanna tackle, um, we said now we need to create as many touch points as possible um, with exactly these people. Um, and then this is actually, so there's a lot, of, an, a lot of formats already there, but LinkedIn is actually already also testing a lot of new formats. So I think my feeling is that almost any month, um, some new formats are popping up. So the same way as it happened with Facebook, I don't know, like four or five years ago. The, uh, what we're doing there is that um, we started out with pretty generic uh, brand awareness videos. So um, this is, for example, the left one is, was one on um, have you actually missed your train? So this is, this is very broadly targeting. This could be the CEO, but this is not just very specific for, um, for one target group, but it goes a little more into the brand awareness. But again, the targeting is the same behind it. Then we did a little more around product education. Um, so that is just like very simply explaining what is our product doing so you can very quickly book your business travel. Then we tried to go for more personal content. Um, this was a lot around sponsored in-mails. So that was, for example, when you saw initially the response of the MD of uh, Simon Kocher, that was one of the um, sponsored in-mail topics. Um, but there we could already go narrow it further down and go more precisely. Um, and then the last step um, in the funnel is, um, is in the end going via, um, via these lead generation um, forms, which in the end now for us convert better than actually redirecting um, to, to the website. And I think that was, the, that was actually when we saw that um, going through these funnels, when I initially said the CPLs were extremely high in comparison to the other channels, I think this was the greatest achievement of 
further narrowing down the funnel. Um, um, in the end, like I think we um, we cut the the CPL to below a third of what we initially had. And the third for us in the end means that the payback period um, on, on these types of acquisitions is um, in the end working very, very well. And um, that was a continuous process, right? Like from starting out very broad to in the end now really narrowing it down um, and, um, and, and going very precisely. And for us, it's um, next to a few very specific B2B channels. This is the broadest channel that we are um, we actually further and continuing to, to scale up with new formats, also with other countries, not just focused on Germany. But interestingly enough, it also works very well for Germany. That was one of our main concerns because we knew Xing is still very strong here. Um, um, but in the end, like LinkedIn actually converts or performs much better for us than, um, than Xing does. Could also be because they have different targeting and different options there. Um, but that was our, our learning there. The thing we are now focusing on, which, um, which might be interesting um, to know as a next step is, um, and I think, we have, I think we have heard part of that on, on the panel before, but it's around the, um, in the end, like we are still scaling this for a certain CPL. So in the end, for every, every lead that we are getting, we are paying a certain amount of money. And optimally, um, we were to further reduce this and manage to almost scale independently of these budgets. And the, the one main way how you can achieve that is, um, is if you start building thought leadership. Um, so actually, Manuel, for example, does this with the conferences, right? And I think there can be various ways. We are right now starting with an approach where we try to build this thought leadership within LinkedIn, right? So by providing very good, very specific content, um, going a lot into research there also. It's not just about posting a random article, but um, in the end, we're going into a similar direction where we are actually writing proper papers around um, certain travel topics that we are then posting. And we don't need necessarily need to sponsor these ones, but if you've built up a good audience um, and you are perceived as a, a thought leader, and this can be the company, this can be individual persons, this allows you to scale much more independently of um, having to spend um, uh, high budgets on, um, on ads all the time. Um, and there we are still early on, um, but um, that is something that we are now continuously con investing in. And, um, and we're pretty certain that this um, should, should also pay off um, in the end within, um, within these channels. Yeah, that's a quick, um, quick intro into, um, into LinkedIn. Um, any questions on this? And uh, yeah, anything you want to know about, about that? Um, what kind of content do you think works best for your three different main target groups, the C-level, the finance management director? Can you can you recognize any difference in, in on relied on data? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think the I think the first step there is to really realize. So I think a lot of companies go there and they know that their target group is SMEs, right? But I think it's extremely and even more important to understand within that SME how is the decision making process um, working. And I think that is exactly what you then need to replicate in the content. So um, the type of content absolutely depends on, um, on the target group within the company. So let's take CEOs. Um, I think the example we saw here is uh, this information around uh, the Brexit. Um, so probably like if the, let's say the, the office manager, for example, might not be the person traveling a lot, right? So he or she might not be interested in, um, in information on like what do I have to take care of when I now want to travel to the UK given um, the Brexit coming up. Um, but the CEO is much more interested in that because he knows that some of his team members are actually traveling to the UK. So he needs to be caring about this. So that is one thing. So we try to really target um, every content that we write. We challenge against like 
um, does this make sense for that specific uh, target group? So I would not just write generic content. Uh, and this was also actually something we discussed, we thought about. Um, it could also be that we are writing content for travelers, right? But then it would be much more around, I don't know, how do I collect more miles? How can I use certain mile things and so on? But we realized this is not necessarily the target group that we want to reach right now, um, even though this could bring a lot of traffic, but not the traffic that we, in the end, uh, think is very, very valuable. And I think realizing like that um, within a company, how, how are decisions happening? And it took us, a t like, to be honest, like initially we just started targeting office managers or secretaries because we knew they are the ambassadors of our product within, within a company. Um, but then we knew that in the end, the office manager needs to loop back to the uh, CEO or CFO or some, one of the decision makers. Um, and then we realized that it makes potentially even more sense to start with that one that redirects to then office management or secretaries um, because then you have already the buy-in of, um, of this guy. And um, this then in the end gives you, gives you a faster and, and also more reliable conversion. Um, so yeah, the content absolutely depends on, um, on who of the three groups we're actually targeting. I have a question regarding pain points because you talked about uh, the target group. Do you think that uh, it might be helpful to have this traveler surrounding like uh, people who are travel a lot and they have show or compare this, yeah, I have this mile card, I have this and this a career, uh, business class uh, status and so on. This might be also have still an impact on, on uh, your target group or what do you think? Yeah. Um, so this could be relevant for especially like the, the management team or CEO bucket that is again traveling a lot. So in that sense, it might make sense. Um, but I think what you're referring to could even be broader. So um, something we are discussing actually, but we are like to be fully transparent, not really good at it yet is um, so optimally at some point you want to achieve this bottom up kind of sale or marketing, right? Where you say um, you don't just have to target, let's say the accountant and the, the CEO, but you're targeting the broad traveler group within, within the companies. Um, and that would then mean that they, are, they don't care about, um, I don't know, control over budgets and so on. Um, they care around like, is my miles and more card taken care of? Um, can I easily rebook and so on? And um, we are not going super broad there yet, but this is something that we clearly see if we go for this type of messaging, then we would probably go for targeting the broader traveler and not these three specific target groups. Then also again, Facebook might actually work much better than uh, LinkedIn. Um, but this is something we are not, um, not super actively doing yet since we see that if we target these three specific groups, we are directly at that decision point. Um, but I think at some point, if you want to continue scaling it, it makes sense to go for this uh, bottom-up uh, sales approach where you get the buy-in from the travelers, they start speaking about it, they then approach their office management and say, hey, I tried this, why, um, why can't we use this as a company overall? Um, so it's definitely something that is, um, that is interesting. Um, we've just not gone too much into that approach yet, um, but it's, it's, it's of course something that we... Um, or that, yeah, and I think actually for some other companies this might work even better depending on the product. Um, what's your opinion about using LinkedIn bots? Did you use it? And LinkedIn bots? Bots, yeah. Bots for like in terms of messaging bots? Yeah, or? automatically messaging and stuff like that. And if you did it, why? And if not, why not? Yeah, yeah. And by automatically messaging, you're talking about the, the message like in mails in the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so I think like in general, I mean, we. So we do stuff, for example, like in, in the mailing space, not LinkedIn, but in the mailing space that works very well. Um, so that's in the end like very tailored direct messages. Um, we, we actually tested a little bit around that in LinkedIn also. Um, 
And I'm very certain that this converts very well, but I think the issue is that uh, LinkedIn is not too happy about it. Um, so they don't want um, companies to start spamming their, um, their employees in the end or other people on the platform. So you need to be really careful. I think it's nothing you can scale, because if you try to, I know there's a couple of companies out there that are um, offering these kind of services that they direct message um, a lot of the employees, but if you start doing this at a somehow reasonable scale, um, I think they will cut you off. So LinkedIn just launched um, lookalike audiences. I wonder if you tested them already and if you were able to replicate the same results with uh, lookalikes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know we are testing them. Um, so Desiree is actually sitting somewhere here. I know she's testing it currently. Um, we, I, like I couldn't tell you anything about the results that I'm not sure, Daisy, do you have results on that already? Yeah. It depends a lot on the audience, right? Like if you can pretty precisely define the lookalike audience, then I, I guess the targeting should be pretty, pretty decent as well. So yeah, it's definitely something we, we are testing. Um, but yeah, it was just like we don't have any results on this yet. Yeah, easy pass. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for the presentation. I, I just wanted to ask, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, the, the panel discussion before was on, on uh, personal branding. And I noticed some of the messages are obviously from your personal profile on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, and we're a small company, so execution is extremely important. Just out of interest, how are you executing roughly, or do you have a, a clear way that you're, you're doing that? Um, how to target these audiences with relevant content. So how are you creating um, that content that's relevant for the audiences at the moment? I mean, you went into it a little bit, but... Yeah, wait, so your question is more around, like, how do we decide what content we are producing? Actually create a flow uh, that is at a reasonable frequency. W what is that decision process? Yeah, yeah. So in terms of the content that we are creating, what we're doing is we, we often look at, like, um, what are relevant topics. Um, and relevant topics then could be that we look... I know, for example, we look at Google searches for certain topics. So, I don't know, Reisekostenabrechnung or expense management um, is something that is uh, where we can check and we know that, hey, there's a lot of search volume for this, which means that there's a lot of interest in this topic. And then the, um, the, uh, the transfer, like, is this relevant now for the accounting department or for the office management is something that we, we more or less do, do directly, right? And I think the other indication is from, um, from the website. If um, we basically see that someone downloads a certain, a certain PDF with, with certain content, then afterwards we know who that person was. That gives us also an indication of, is this the person that, or was this an office manager or secretary that now reads about, I don't know, expense management, for example. Um, so that is, that is kind of around like how we think about the, the content creation. Um, um, so it's a mixture. So um, um, obviously, if you do want to do this at a certain frequency, you need to have a team or staffing behind it. It can't be in that case if like you have to choose whoever does like the representation of the company in that sense. Um, for us, to a certain extent, it's now me, but it could be anyone else. I think that's not so much not so relevant because you anyway start from close to zero on that. Um, and then um, in the end, it's similar to like in, we, we hired a person that is actually producing content. Um, and um, I think the learning there was more it's, um, the, uh, the person needs to really intrinsic, feel intrinsically motivated around the topic. For us, it's business travel in a sense. So um, that, that is, I think, um, super important. Um, and I think the other one is that um, we also did a lot of like, very generic content. So just the standard article um, around uh, expense management or something. And I talked to... Um, uh, a good friend actually from TaxFix, uh, that just uh, they raised on yesterday, but they, um, I think one of their core things uh, that we can also probably say is content and they're extremely good at it. And 
the one statement he made, and I think that's very important, is that um, if you want to be successful with this content creation, um, the basic check you need to do is that uh, every article that you write needs to be 5x better than any other article you find on that topic online. So you can easily say if like my article is now, um, I don't know, traveling during the times of the Brexit, then I Google traveling Brexit and I put or print the other three articles that exist online on this topic. And you need to make sure your article is much more profound, has better content, has a nicer infograph and so on. And that's key to success. And um, yeah, but you need, this costs time. So it's clearly, um, it's not something that uh, you can start doing, I don't know, late at night, but this is more something that uh, you need to focus on and invest in. Um, because I guess I think semi-half-baked content is, is, is not very successful. Yeah, so we did actually a little, little bit of content of uh, Project A together um, initially. Um, I think if you want to take it serious, you need to internalize it at some point because um, that person is building knowledge around certain topics. And in the end, like that person needs to be one of the experts for, in our case, business travel. Um, and that you can only build, that is very difficult to achieve uh, externally. My feeling is that if you do it externally, you can produce decent content um, with a freelancer or something like this, but if you want to be really good at it, um, you need to build that um, in-house. It's a lot around the knowledge on, on that specific topic. And, and a lot of the topics are, uh, topics are connected, right? So if you learned a lot about that topic, then it's much easier for you to write the article on a somehow related topic already. Um, and, then, and this is, I think, something that readers at some point feel is that this person actually has very, very decent knowledge on, on a certain topic. So I think it's, yeah, in, in the first place it might, might save time and effort, but um, if you if would want to do it decently, then, then definitely invest and take, take it in-house. Cool, then thanks a lot uh, for your time. Thank you. Mm -hmm.